Amen. Thank you so much, Monty. Well, you know, as it's been said, you've heard it before, there is dinner party etiquette, right? Dinner party etiquette. You're never supposed to bring up these three topics at a dinner party, right? And that is because of the divisiveness that it may cause. It may blow up and ruin the mood of your dinner party. So if ever you're at a dinner party, they say you're never supposed to talk about race, you're never supposed to talk about religion, and you're never supposed to talk about politics, okay? Well, thankfully, we are not at a dinner party today, okay? <laughs> we are not at a dinner party today, and so we are able to talk about all three. And the reason why we need to talk about all three is because the Bible talks about all three. The Bible is not silent about race. It is not silent about religion. It's not silent about politics and the culture that we are living in today. And so we're going to spend some time talking about a couple of those things today. You know, if you're like me, you have what is called pet peeves, right? Pet peeves. Pet peeves are those things that kind of annoy you. They frustrate you. They rub you the wrong way. And I have some pet peeves of my own. Now, some are silly, <laughs> I'll admit. <laughs> some are a little bit more serious. But my wife will tell you one of my pet peeves is I don't like a bunch of hair and makeup residue <laughs> on the bathroom couch. I don't like anybody else like me. <laughs> I don't like that. I mean, and you go and try and pick it up and it smears across the, <laughs> the counter. Ladies, what is that? I mean, what are y'all doing? Okay. That's one of my pet peeves there. I also don't like when people chew on things. <laughs> when they chew on plastic, chew on straws, chew on pin caps. See, I, I can't stand it. That's a pet peeve of mine. I know they're silly, but those are my pet peeves, okay? But then I have some other serious pet peeves that I have. I do not like complaining. I do not like complaining at all whatsoever, and you have my permission to call me upon it if you ever hear your pastor complaining, okay? I do not like complaining. Now, I'm not saying you can't voice your feelings and express what you're going through, seek help. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about complaining just to complain, okay? I mean, to me, that is wasted energy. I mean, either do something about your situation, <laughs> Or trust God in the process of it while he changes your situation. Or make the best of a bad situation. But what is complaining going to do? So complaining is one of my biggest pet peeves. Okay? I also don't like men who are always in their feelings. <laughs> I do not like men who are always in their feelings. Always getting butt hurt. Always being offended. Always, I don't, I mean, suck it up, all right? <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Gird up your loins and let's go. Life happens to all of us, all right? <laughs> I do not like that. So those are some of my biggest pet peeves. There is one in particular that I have today that I want to talk about, and that is I don't like fake and phony people. I don't like, now I shouldn't say I don't like fake and phony people. I don't like it when people are fake and phony.
You don't need to conform to me. You don't need to conform to any elder, any leader of this church. You don't need to conform to anybody but Jesus Christ. You be who you are. <laughs> now, if you don't like who you are or you're not at perfection yet, well, join the club. We, none of us are, right? Be who you are. Be real. Be genuine. Be authentic. Don't be fake and phony. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'd much rather you tell me how you really feel, tell me who you really are, than to lie to me by being fake and phony. And I believe not only is this one of my biggest pet peeves, I believe as we're going to see through Scripture, this is one of God's pet peeves. This is one of God's biggest pet peeves as well when we, his people, act fake and phony. There's a time when we act fake and phony where I believe it is a pet peeve to God. It is when we worship. It shows up in the form of worship because worship is the way that we connect with God. Worship is the way that we interact with God. And as we said before, worship is a lot more than what we just did. I tell you this all the time. You worship God more out there than you do in here. Because worship is not just singing three songs before a message. Worship is the living for God, or lack thereof. <laughs> That's why the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. We worship as we live for God, as we live unto the glory of God, and in our time in our worship where we are fake and phony before God. And God says, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. See, there is worship that is real, and then there is worship that is a facade. There's worship that is real, and then there is worship that is a waste of time, yours and God. Right now, the things that are going on, the things that are happening in our world indicate that our world is sick. <laughs> and we know that our world is sick because right now you're hearing a lot of people talking about, we need healing. <laughs> we are hurting and we need healing. Well, if you need healing, that means there's something wrong. If you need healing, that means you might, you must be sick. So our world right now, especially our nation right now, is sick even though God has given the world an immune system. God has given the world an immune system. And the immune system that God has given the world is the church. The church is the immune system for the world from Almighty God. And so if the world is hurting, if the world is sick, if the world is in need of healing, that can only mean that something has happened with its immune system. <laughs> kind of like HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, they will say HIV doesn't kill you. HIV isn't what kills you. What HIV will do is it will break down your immune system so anything as little as the common cold can kill you. Because your immune system now has been broken down. Well, God is saying in the same way, I have provided the church, I have provided my people, I provided my spirit, I provided my word to make sure the world 
the world that was getting sick, and the world that was hurting, and the world that was dying, it must be because of it. See, the problem is not the world. The world has always been the world. The world has always been dark. The world has always been wicked. The world has always been evil. So the problem is not with the world. The problem, God says, is with me, with the church, with the people of God not being the immune system that God has called us to be. I mean, how can we uh, be able to launch men and women up into outer space? (laughs) But we still can, after 250 years, learn how to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Explain that to me. (laughs) How can we have advanced that much (laughs) we can literally launch people into outer space, but we cannot still to this day love our neighbor as we love ourselves? How, How can that be? There is a deficiency in God's immune system. And the Bible says that perilous times are coming. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. And people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will be boastful. They will be proud. They will be arrogant. They will be disobedient to parents and and so forth. And all kinds of things. Perilous times are coming and perilous times are here. The question though God has for us today is though, why? Why are perilous times coming? Why are perilous times here? Well, he tells us at the end of that list, uh, he says they will be lovers of money rather than lovers lovers of God and and, and uh, unholy and all kinds of things. He says at the end, and having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In other words, the reason why we're going to have perilous times is because of the fake and phoniness of religion and worship that is going to bring about these perilous times. Having a form of godliness, and it's spiritual, <laughs> you quote-unquote worship, you go to church, you, you read God's word, but God's saying it is simply a facade. It is a form of godliness, but you are denying the very power therein. So God is going to show us today in a few scriptures his technique. And he starts off with his encounter with a woman at the well. And this woman at the well that he's going to meet is a Samaritan woman. Why is that important to know? Well, because just like today, there was a race war in Jesus' day as well. There was a race war in Jesus' day as well between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. They did not have any dealings with each other. They were like the Hatfields and the McCoys, the Bloods and the Crips, okay? Cowboys and the Redskins, okay? That's how the Jews and the Samaritans were, okay? But yet Jesus is going to meet this Samaritan woman. He being a Jew, is going to meet this Samaritan woman at the well and have this encounter, this dialogue with her. So after he is talking with her and she perceives him to be a prophet, even though he's not she switches the conversation and it turns into a religious one. More specifically, one about worship. So in John 4.19, if you have your Bibles, our first scripture in John 4.19, 
the woman is going to say this. The woman said to him, Jesus, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Since you are a prophet, since you are a religious man, let me ask you a religious question. She says, our fathers worship on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said, what do you mean, you Jews? No, no, that's not what she said. I'm sorry. <laughs> she Jesus said to her, he, he, she goes to Jesus and says, look, you are a Jew. We are Samaritans. We don't worship the same way. Our fathers say we are supposed to worship on this mountain. But you Jews say Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So I'm asking you, which is right? Are the Samaritans right or are the Jews right? Which is right when it comes to worship? Jesus answers in verse 21 and says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Jesus says, you talking to me. <laughs> Jesus says, it's not your way and it's not the Jews' way. You both are wrong. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. He tells you why. He says, you worship what you do not know. God tells this woman, you worship what you do not know or who you do not know. Can you think of all the different churches that we have full of people who are worshiping a God they really don't know? They're coming in and they're singing the songs and they're doing all this, but they are worshiping a God they really don't know. God says, you're playing with the wrong God. He says, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father, watch this, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is in heaven right now seeking true worshipers. Seeking those who are worshiping him, him in spirit and in truth. So he goes to this church and says, are y'all worshiping in spirit and truth? No, y'all worried about how things sound. Let me go to another church. Are y'all worshiping in spirit and truth? No, y'all worried about the genre of music. Let me go to another church. Are y'all worshiping me in spirit and truth? No, you worry about how the pastor is dressed. Let me go to another church. God is seeking true worshipers. God is seeking those who are willing to worship him in spirit and in for it says in the scripture, God is what? Spirit. God is what? Spirit. God is what? Spirit. He's not black. He's not white. He is spirit. He's not male. He's not female. He is spirit. He's not American. He's not Middle Eastern. He is spirit. He's not Democrat. He's not Republican. He is spirit. God is spirit. Those who worship him must, it is not up for debate, it is not just for opinion, it is not just for preference, it's not optional. If you are going to worship the true living God, God says those who worship him 
supposed to say? You don't got a green team to shoot on? You're not winning against you got teams on it? Church, how dare you? That is not worship. <laughs> do we have a steeple? Do we have stadium seating? Do we have pews? Do we have chairs? I mean, all kinds of things that we predicate and base our worship on. God says you can have that. You can keep that. Because if you're going to worship me, it must not be based on anything must not be based on anything that is physical because God is spirit and you must worship me in spirit not in the physical realm of what you know about me and yet he says if you're going to worship God and be a true worshiper you must worship in spirit you also must worship in truth there are times when he says in truth when Jesus prays his father one day for us he said Lord
be all that you say. How can there be all that these Christians all over the world, and rather than eradicating racism from our land, we are perpetuating it? Explain that to me. You see, you see a lot of people talking about race right now. A lot of people saying that they're being hateful and racist. They're having dialogues. They're talking about this. They're talking about that. Going back, way back.
Egypt and sent me a distinct prophet the root philosophy or doctrine that is clearly or solely based on the Bible. Whether it's sexism, whether it's ageism, whether it's classism, whether it's racism, it is simply a distinct belief or practice or philosophy or system that is solely based on the
he knew there would be a lot of hidden treasure on my finger and toe. He knew that. My neighbor is the one who told me where I came from. He, he told me, no, your neighbor is humanity. Your neighbor is mankind. That was your neighbor. And I said, that's your neighbor. But it's not your neighbor. And even if you don't subscribe to that being your neighbor, God still has you covered under this scripture in Romans 8 and 8. Thank you. 